Chapter 15 The night seemed like it was taking forever. I'd gone up to my room at about 10pm, then pretended to be asleep in my bed, waiting patiently for my parents to follow my lead. I looked at my watch. 12.05am. This was going to be tight. Suddenly I heard footsteps on the stairs, the dull sound of some conversation and the whirring sound of two electric toothbrushes. Then nothing. Silence. I decided I was going to quietly slip out of bed at 1.15am, collect what I needed and leave the cottage at 1.30am. I shot out of bed when the time arrived and got dressed quietly into lots of layers as I was anticipating that wild Scottish breeze to turn a pleasant day into a brisk night. I tiptoed down the stairs, placing my feet as far apart as possible. I'd studied the stairs earlier that evening and noticed the creaky part was in the middle. Into the kitchen I went, and on the kitchen side was my father's torch and binoculars. Perfect! Just where I hoped they'd be. I couldn't believe how smoothly everything was going. As I went to turn the key to let myself out, I heard the sound of my father snoring. He always snores if he had had some wine, and tonight he and mum had shared a bottle. The perfect cover for my escape. I subtly shut the door, turned the key again to lock it, and placed the key into my zip pocket. Then I was away. I didn't dare fetch the bike from the outbuilding, as all that commotion would surely wake my parents. However, this was where my athletics training would come in incredibly useful. I ran along the drive of the cottage, towards the quiet lane, and turned off the main road to the trail that would eventually lead to the top of the hill overlooking the coast, but most importantly, the airfield. I would normally run at night with a head torch, but not bought that on holiday, so I held the torch like a relay baton. Not as effective, but was enough to see where I was going. Before I knew it, I had arrived at the top of the hill, near the ridge where I had agreed to meet Millie. No sign of her yet. I looked at my watch. 1.54am. I was slightly early. This was good. In the distance I noticed a faint light. Gradually the light came closer and closer, snaking its way up the windy path to the top of the hill. Had I been rumbled? Was this my parents, or worse, the police? I started to get very nervous indeed, and began to panic. I quickly hid, crouching down beneath the ridge, just peeking out so I could see this light approach. The light came closer and closer, until it stopped getting any closer. Then the bright light just suddenly disappeared. As my eyes readjusted, I recognised the unmistakably wild mop of curly red hair that could only belong to one person. It was Millie. The light was that on the front of her bike. I should have realised. I sheepishly appeared from beneath the ridge. Millie looked at me quizzically and then smiled. What were you doing? She asked. I thought you might have been the police. I slowly started to say, realising as I said it how ridiculous it sounded. Millie laughed. Which police would that be? The Met Police? NYPD? What would they arrest you for? Grievous bodily fellwalking? Aggravated rambling? <laughs> Millie looked incredibly pleased with her little joke. I frowned a little before breaking into a reluctant smile. It was a good point. Other than the obvious sneaking out and away from our parents, we were not doing a great deal wrong. Certainly not illegal anyway. Millie continued. Anyway, the police on this island is Officer Roebuck. One man. Reinforcements are a ferry ride away. There is no crime on Osk. Hmm. Interesting, I commented. Or, none that gets reported anyway. 
In many ways, it's the perfect place to commit a crime. Hmm, well that's reassuring, Millie said in a comedic deadpan tone. We both laughed, but that had planted the seed in my mind. This plane business was beyond weird, and I was determined to find out what was going on. We sat for a while looking at the stars and chatting. It was strange. I'd known Millie for the matter of a few days, but in some ways, it seemed like we'd known each other for years. She was so easy to talk to, and a very attentive listener too. Do you know the names of any stars? She asked. I'm not sure of the real names, I replied. I do love stargazing though. That one up there, the really bright one, I call that Finney's star. I try and find it in the sky every night. Why do you call it Finney's star? Millie asked. I realised I'd blurted that out a little bit without thinking. Was this the right time to open up? I hadn't talked about Finney's death much to anyone. Here I was though, about to do so with a virtual stranger. I reasoned that I might not see Millie ever again after the next few days, so why not? In many ways, it was easier than talking to someone from back home. Finney was my best friend. Actually, my only real friend. He died recently, so we decided to name a star after him. You know, so we don't forget him. Now I look up at his star every night. Sometimes I talk to him, tell him about my day, that kind of thing. Millie seemed a little taken aback. When did your friend die? She asked. Two months ago. Your best friend died two months ago, and you haven't mentioned it yet, Millie said, shocked at this sudden disclosure. How did he die? In a car accident, I replied, matter-of-factly. Millie's mouth dropped open. A tear formed in the corner of her eye. I'm so sorry, Peter. That's terrible. You could have mentioned it. I haven't really spoken about it to anyone, I replied. But it's okay. The last few days are the most fun I've had since it happened. Actually, I think it could be the only fun I've had. That's because of you. So thank you. Millie smiled at me, blushing slightly. Happy to help? She replied softly. We sat and talked away, trying to pass the time. We talked about Finney, what he was like, what we did together, and some of my memories of him. It was nice to feel able to talk about my friend, with someone who was rapidly becoming something I wasn't sure I would have in my life again. A real friend. Suddenly, and without warning, Millie shouted, Look! I turned around and there it was. Approaching in the distance, from the direction of the sea, was a white flying object. It was the ghost plane. This time, it was coming in to land at the airport. I checked my watch. 2.47am. Do you believe me now then? I asked Millie. Wow, it's real. That's no ghost plane either. That's just a normal plane. It's ever so quiet though. The magnificent craft barely makes a sound as it majestically soars into land. Millie exclaimed, as if commentating on an air show. Something else I was very familiar with, having been dragged to many of these by my mum and dad. I had to chuckle. The plane slowly came into land on the runway. It looked a bumpy landing as the wheels touched down on the grass sticking through the concrete. The plane came to a stop outside the old building next to the airfield. It was motionless for a matter of seconds before some people suddenly emerged from the building and made straight for the plane. I quickly took out my dad's binoculars and looked over towards the plane. What's happening? Millie shouted. Well, there's three people. It's too dark and they're too far away to make out the faces, but there's definitely three of them, I said. What are they doing? 
Millie asked, excitedly. They've just got to the plane. Something is being passed out of the plane. It looks like a large box or parcel. Now the people are carrying the box back to the building. This felt like a police operation, like a proper surveillance mission. I couldn't believe my eyes. Then before I could say anything else, the plane started moving again. Gradually, it made its way to the end of the runway, turned in a rather large, ungainly circle, and then picked up speed as it flew off out to sea and into the distance. The three people had disappeared into the building. We watched with intrigue for what was probably another 15 minutes, but nothing else happened. Nobody emerged from the building. Nothing. Well, that was weird, Middy exclaimed, somewhat stating the obvious. That was more than weird, I replied. There is something extremely suspicious going on. Why on earth would a plane be landing to drop off its cargo in the middle of the night when nobody is watching? Whatever is going on in that building? Well, whatever it is, we're on to them now, Millie said, with a glint in her eye. Yes, I suppose we are, I replied, with a smile. We need a plan, Millie shouted, with her usual carefree abandon. We certainly do, I said, but that will need to wait for tomorrow. We need to sneak back in without our parents knowing we're missing. We've been gone a while. Okay, I think I may have to run some wee errands tomorrow, but I'll cycle round when I can. And with that, we went our separate ways, heads full of adventures to come.